Welcome to Behind the Bookshelves. This is episode 12. My name is Richard Davis and this Abe Books podcast series is dedicated to telling the stories behind books and the people who love them. Today we're talking about the history of LGBT literature. Today every bookshop worth its salt should have a vibrant LGBT section. Most do. This genre is now overflowing with fine literature that stretches across memoirs, young adult fiction and graphic novels. But it was a long journey to reach this point. If we put aside Sappho's lesbian poetry from ancient Greece, and most of that is lost, and try not to decipher the possible homoerotic relationships in Shakespeare, did Iago love Othello, then we should immediately jump to Oscar Wilde. The picture of Dorian Gray was originally published in Lippincott's monthly magazine as a serial. The editors removed a chunk of text alluding to homosexuality before publication. However, even the first version has Dorian Gray spending 18 years enjoying every pleasure and virtually every sin. This statement is very typical for the 19th century and the early decades of the 20th century. Homosexuality in literature was hinted at and never explicit. Dorian Gray caused an immense public outcry over immorality, which considering what the Victorians got up to behind locked doors was the pot calling the kettle black. On a side note, Dorian Gray seems even more important today because of its vanity theme and our overwhelming desire to remain young and beautiful. Will the Kardashians be reading it? Probably not. Anyway, Wilde's own life became more sensational than his fiction when he was found guilty of gross indecency, which meant homosexuality at the time, and he was sentenced to two years in prison. A sad story all round. Joseph and His Friend, a story of Pennsylvania by Bayard Taylor, published in 1870, is considered to be America's first gay novel. It describes a relationship between two men without ever becoming sexual or doom-laden. Considering it was written in the middle of the Victorian era, Taylor's book was way, way ahead of its time. The theme of gay love being ultimately tragic was a theme that lasted for a long, long time. Happy endings, strong relationships, positive outcomes, these were all hard to find. One of the most sought-after examples of early gay literature is Imra, a memorandum by Xavier Maine, published in 1906. This is a sympathetic portrayal of gay love between two men, and only 500 copies were privately printed. Eight books sold a first edition for $12,000 in 2009. Xavier Maine was the pen name of Edward Prime Stevenson, who was an American author who abandoned law to become a writer. The Well of Loneliness by Radcliffe Hall, published in 1928, caused a lot of controversy in Britain. Published by Jonathan Cape, the plot sees an Englishwoman find love with another woman while serving as an ambulance driver in World War I, only to suffer social isolation. The novel portrays lesbianism as a natural state. It was hugely controversial and put lesbians on the front pages of newspapers. In the same year, Virginia Woolf published Orlando, a biography. This novel is important because of the fluid way in which Woolf treats gender. 
The book describes the adventures of a poet who changes sex and meets important historical figures. Again, it's way, way ahead of its time. Catrafoil by James Barr, who is really called James W. Fogarty, is a landmark novel from 1950 because it portrays gay men in a positive light. Fugate served in the US Navy in World War II and rejoined the Navy in 1952, but he was discovered to be the author of Quatrefoil, which led to his discharge. The 1940s and 1950s saw gay literature often published in pulp paperbacks. The Price of Salt by Patricia Highsmith from 1952 is one such example of decent writing published with a lurid cover. This novel was first published under the pseudonym of Claire Morgan and has been published with the title Carol. The story concerns a young woman living in New York who meets Carol, an elegant woman in her early thirties. It depicts a lesbian relationship in a relatively positive light, plus there's wonderful prose from Highsmith. Let's not forget the contribution made to early gay literature by black writers. Giovanni's Room by James Baldwin was published in 1956. This is a novel about an American man living in Paris and his frustrations around same-sex relationships. Baldwin, who was gay, moved to France in his twenties, where he worked for most of his life as a writer in exile. One of Baldwin's most famous novels, Another Country, from 1962, also has themes around bisexuality along with race and relationships. A Queer Kind of Death by George Baxt, published in 1966, is a crime novel that is sadly out of print. Baxt was white, but his hero is a gay black New York detective called Pharaoh Love, who investigates the death of an actor found dead in his bath. Baxt's plot shows the underground world of homosexual love in the city. This book was well received at the time, and it's odd that it hasn't been republished. A Queer Kind of Death was the first in a trilogy. The other titles are Swing Low, Sweet Harriet from 1967 and Topsy and Evil from 1968. An even earlier example comes from the Harlem Renaissance period. A writer and painter, Richard Bruce Nugent, was a key figure in this movement because of his creative output and the fact that he was openly gay. Gentleman Jigger is a novel about two brothers, one of whom is openly homosexual. It's a so-called lost novel, written between the wars but not published until 2008. It reflects many of the themes seen in the Renaissance, such as colour, sexuality, authority and intellectuals. Bruce Nugent famously contributed an essay to the single issue of Fire, the radical African-American literary magazine that published a single edition in 1926 before its office was burned down. If we jump to 1970, then The Lord Won't Mind by Gordon Merrick is a gay novel that became a New York Times bestseller, a remarkable feat. The plot follows a man's path out of the closet. A year later, Morris by E.M. Forster was published. This book was written in 1913 and 1914, but not published until a year after Forster's death. Morris is a very English story of homosexual love in the early 20th century. Forster never attempted to publish it because he thought gay love had just too many taboos at this time. This novel, also featuring class strife and blackmail, was turned into a film in 1987. 
Unlike many gay novels from the early decades of the 20th century, Morris is widely available and frequently read. Which brings us to Armstead, Morpan and Tales of the City. These are nine novels set in San Francisco and published between 1978 and 2014. Via a mixture of straight, gay and bisexual characters, they mirror the rise of AIDS while describing the adventures of young people in a big city. It's odd how at the time the mainstream media became hysterical about the so-called gay plague while a fictional writer addressed it with dignity and thought. What makes Tales of the City so different is that these books are easy to read and became massively popular, inspiring radio and TV adaptations. Michael Tolliver, the key gay character, is a fully rounded character. Morpin shows him as just another young person in San Francisco having fun while the AIDS epidemic was developing in the background. From the 1980s onwards, gay characters began to appear more and more in TV sitcoms, and some of this has to be attributed to Morpin's influence on popular culture. Today we have books from Jeffrey Eugenides, Sarah Waters, Jeanette Winterson and Stephen Chbosky, all innovative, diverse, sympathetic and thought-provoking writers. You don't necessarily find them in the LGBT section because they're just fiction, young adult or memoir. It's just a shame that it took so long to get to this place. Thanks for listening to Behind the Bookshelves. My name is Richard Davis from Abe Books. If you like the show, please tell your friends or like it or share it or tweet it or leave a comment. We'll see you next time.